one of the things that I feel so heavily is my purpose to show up for the people that are there because they are giving me their space and their time and they're counting on me to be the best that I can possibly be. And like everybody, I've for sure got ups and downs and times where I'm just feeling so indestructible and on point and times where I'm not. And I still, I try to show up every single day, no matter what. I've never known something other than work hard for the people around you and stay consistent for them because they deserve it. Alex Masaryk has never known anything but success with Cutco Vector. As a college student, he was an integral part of the epic dynasty on the South Denver team. Since becoming a district manager in North Denver, Alex has always been a national leader in his competitive category. His consistency has been exemplary, and he is setting a powerful example as a leader in the company. He's now also serving as assistant division manager for the Rocky Mountain Division. If you're looking for ideas on how to maintain your inspiration and stay on your A-game, listen to the personal examples and powerful insights of Alex Masaryk. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Alex Masaryk. Alex is the district manager in North Denver in the Rocky Mountain Division, also the assistant division manager for that division with the legendary Drew Frank. Maz, as we like to call him, has been in the Cutco Vector business since 2012. He was a key part of the South Denver dynasty of multiple silver cups throughout 2012, 13, 14, and 15 into 2016. He was the division office manager there for two full years, plus a couple other campaigns. Uh, He became a district manager in 2016 and has had a tremendous run in North Denver. Number six, as a new district manager, his first eight months. Number four, during his first full year. Number three, in the Premier League in 2018. Number two, in 2019. Number three, in the Elite League in 2020 and having another banner year here in 2021 where he's number four in the elite league and also placed highly in the all offices total business category as well as the district teams category in the company. So truly one of the top rising stars in the vector business. Matt, it's great to have you here for the podcast. Man, I'm psyched. Thank you for having me. 
Excellent. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. It's going to be great for the audience to get to know a whole lot more about you and hear all of the great value you have to share. Take us back to 2012 and tell us a little bit about how you got started with Cutco. Yep. So I, I started with my best friend, Corey, as a lot of people know him. I had just applied for a job at Budweiser. I was going to, uh, I was going to load boxes into trucks at 3 a.m. For, uh, for my entire summer. So that was, that was the original plan in 2020. And then Corey found Vector online. I was watching Family Guy at his house on the couch. And he comes back and he's like, I just got an interview. And I was like... I want an interview. I was like, what's it for? He's like, I got no idea. And I was like, what's <laughs> like, it's $15. And I was like, I'm in. How do I sign up? He's like, just go to the computer, sign up there. You'll probably get a call in like 12 minutes. Lindsay, I remember that phone call. She called me up. Corey and I interviewed together, went through training together. Really, we started from square one. And that was the first intro, finding out through him, watching the guy. And instead of loading beer, got to uh, instead sling blades. Nice. Well, I trust that this has turned out a lot better than loading beer. So we're glad that uh, Corey found the uh, the yeah. vector job and brought you along for the ride. Yes. Shout out to Corey. What were some of the most impactful experiences from that first summer? Yeah. So I, coming into the job, I was more of an introvert when it came to people that were older than me. So this job gave me a chance to kind of like step into that and lean into some uncomfort. Some of the things that I remember most from that year is uh, being like really impressed with a lot of the people that were in the office that were my same age and the things that they were doing. I was uh, I was somebody who I really appreciated my social time. I appreciated hanging out with my buddies and doing things that didn't involve work. So the job taught me a lot about how to kind of prioritize, even during summers where I didn't want to. So much of what I gained was from two people that stick out to me the most. Obviously, Drew, he was the first person I saw coming into the office, interviewed, trained with him, and just seeing the way that he led people, the way he spoke. It was like, I've been an athlete my entire life, and he turned into my business coach right away and somebody that I just had immense respect for and wanted to perform for. Him and then Mary Kay Kelly. There were two people that I looked at and I had never seen people work so hard. And I'd say that's probably the thing that stuck out to me the most was like how hard people actually work in this business and how much they care about it and how much they're okay with it. It's not like whenever I saw how hard Drew was working or how hard Mary Kay was working, never once saw them look at a clock. Uh, they always showed up ready to go, ready to give value, ready to give to their people. And it was unique. I was definitely not the best rep, barely knocked out my 10K promo after four months of uh, my first summer, but I stayed around. I liked the meetings. I liked the team nights. And yeah, it was just probably what stuck out to me most was seeing the way people worked here. It was inspiring to me. Yeah. It's interesting how you were able to see that and that inspired you. We've all heard the phrase that we become the average of the five people we spend the most time around, or you become a lot more like the people that you spend the most time around. And one of the reasons why that's true is exactly what you just said. If you get to see someone operate and you see what they produce and you kind of get an idea of what your life could be like, what you could be like, how you could operate. And it gives you a chance to, without having somebody tell you what to do, it just gives you a chance to sort of gauge how something could, could be for you in your life. And it's such a compelling thing that happens to all of us when we're around people who 
have certain behaviors, have certain beliefs, have certain habits, we gradually adopt those things. And so it's pretty cool to hear that that, uh, you had that chance there in that first summer with Drew. You tried to quit at the end of your first summer? Yeah. (laughs) What happened there? That's a fun one. Corey and I went through our entire summer together. And I think like most new reps, probably the hardest thing to get us to do is to make phone calls. We had every excuse in the book. Phone's dead. So sorry, I couldn't pick up and answer your PDF call through. We were kings at excuses and not wanting to like do the things in the job that made the money. We stayed around long enough to learn what those things were. But by the end of the summertime, I remember Corey and I were sitting in his basement. We were like, man, I don't know if I want to sell knives through college. We were sitting there about ready to go into our sophomore year over a Metro. And so we sat there kind of selling each other on why we shouldn't sell knives going into our sophomore year. And we're like, okay, we're going to go to Drew, bring our sample kits in and just say, all right, let's, uh, we're going to hold off Drew on the job until next summer. We'll be back next summer. And obviously, Drew being the manager that he is knows that that's a uh, typically some BS. And we probably knew that deep down too, even though we were convinced that that was the right thing to do. So yeah, Corey and I, we went into the office, we had our sample kits, we had all of our Cutco gear, all of our Cutco stuff. We walked into the office and Drew didn't even let us get a word out. I think he was he was talking with somebody else. He saw Corey and I with our sample kits and was like, you guys hungry? <laughs> and we're like, we could eat, I guess. He's like, you, want, you guys want doba? And we're like, we love doba. We love a free burrito. Not going to say no to that. And so he, uh, he leaves whatever he's doing. This is in like... August, end of August. He leaves whatever he's doing. We hop in the car with him. Doba's two and a half minutes away and gets us extra queso. It's kind of kind of a way to my heart there. And uh, <laughs> sits us down and and he's like talking about the summer, talking about how much he appreciated us being there the entire summer. I mean, we were one of the first training classes and we were there to the very end. And he said, you know, we, he, he's like, love your consistency. You guys showed up to everything. Just appreciated that type of leadership. We didn't know we were doing any of that. We, Corey and I are just used to doing things that we feel like are right. And apparently Drew saw that as a opportunity to promote us to assistant managers. So that's what the meeting was about. He was like, I would like for you guys to both become assistant managers for the fall. I guess go to school. And they're like, we were about to quit, man. Uh, <laughs> we didn't even, we didn't tell him that. We didn't tell him that. But in the back of our minds. And so we're like, shoot, this is a new opportunity, a new chance. We're not going to say no to Drew with free burritos and extra queso. So yeah, we're in. And that literally changed my life. That that one moment changed the whole trajectory of what I was doing and becoming an assistant manager was like, I, I liked Vector as a rep. I really enjoyed what I was learning. But as an AM, even in that first month, I just saw so much potential and so much opportunity staying and, and being in that management realm. Wow. What a story that is that you, you came in with your kits and Drew sensed that in the moment and he knew that he had bigger plans for you. And he proactively kind of jumped on that. And at the end of the conversation, instead of quitting, you're becoming an AM. Yeah. 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 Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. So obviously you played a great role in the team that fall and the following year. Ultimately, I know you became the the division office manager um, where you were truly like leading the office for the better part of the next two years after that. This was a period where the South Denver office produced absolutely epic results, both in new business sales, right? Recruiting new business sales, 
and in overall business. I mean, you guys set the record a couple times, set it up so high that it's it's held until this year. And I think it's either gone down or going to go down this year finally. Hmm. And you guys won multiple silver cups every year. You were the cornerstone of that organization throughout those years. What can you tell us about some of the success factors there in South Denver? Yeah, man. When even thinking back on those years, I was talking with Drew about this the other day, but it's, it almost seems like a totally different, different universe with what was going on during those times. And some of the things that stick out to me the most, I, I remember our spring cleaning and then summer prep. And Drew would get in this mode of like, you, you could feel this shift coming. It was almost like there was like a storm coming over the horizon and you could feel that emanating. And we would clean the entire office in the spring. We would sit down and have hours and hours and hours of prep of exactly what was going to be happening day by day by day. The types of people we were going to recruit, uh, the type of staff that we were going to have and develop. I mean, for those first three months of the year leading up into the summertime, we're running boot camps for our assistant managers every single week as they're away at school, just prepping, talking big. And it's crazy the type of prep that I got to see and be a part of. I've learned so much from Drew on what that looks like because it takes a lot of work. And to have systems in place that make things run as smoothly as things did. Man, he, he mentioned well-oiled machine pretty much every single day over the summertime. It takes so much front-end prep to do that, but it makes all the difference and means, means everything. And so as that summer got closer and that storm was coming and it was brewing, it, was, it almost felt inevitable that it was going to happen. This has happened to me throughout my entire... Coming up on my, my decade here in, in this coming May... And every single summer I go into, and there's this little part of me that's like, do I really, I really know how to do this? I really, we're, we're going to do this again the same way we did last year. And we're going to beat last year again. And it's happened every single year as a pilot and then in my own district office. And it was just that front end preparation, the ability to map things out down to the minuscule. We would have, <laughs> our staffing was just bonkers. We would have eight to 10 receptionists on staff and on pay, getting ready, getting trained. He would be preparing our assistant manager team, which was eight to nine people deep. They would all know how to PDI, PC, talk with reps to the best of their ability. And some of them only had one summer of experience under their belt. And then his ability to collect names and numbers and have enough in the system for our receptionists to recruit the whole, it was just, it was a perfect system. There was like not a flaw in it. Mm. Expectations were high and expectations were held. That's probably the, the thing that I've also learned from, from Drew and, and even myself, I'm still trying to, to learn that, but his expectations were high. They were withheld. He had accountability and he led by example. So he was able to, to do all of that with us. And that trickled down to me as I was coaching the assistant managers and keeping them held to those same expectations. We just, we wanted to work. And that was the uh, that was the theme. We wanted to work. We wanted to change as many lives as we possibly could. And summers were a whirlwind. Wow, those were some great insights, Alex, about what caused the success there in South Denver. And in particular, you talked about the planning aspect. I'm often reminded of a quote came from Stephen Covey in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He says, um, "All things are created twice. The physical creation follows the mental creation." And it seems like 
Drew had such a great understanding of what a successful summer looks like. And he was able to paint that picture very clearly mm-hmm. for everybody that was on the staff so that you could all know this is what it's going to look like. This is what's going to happen. And he could portray that with such a level of confidence that you believed it, you expected it. And I might even dare say you knew it was going to happen. And when that feeling is in place where there's this vision and it's inspiring and you know you can do it, you know you're going to do it, there's a confidence that takes hold. There's a motivation that takes hold to do all the things to get there. And so that whole aspect of just the preparation, that was really, really insightful to hear. I also like the, where you talked about the accountability piece with Drew. Of course, Drew has an episode he's done with me that's called The Art of Accountability, (laughs) where we talk about working with reps, working with managers, right, and holding people accountable. One of the things I've found as a leader is that if you were to ask people, hey, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do? Not too many people go, oh, not much. Most people (laughs) will say, well, yeah, I've got these goals. I want to do this. I want to do that. This is how I want to, what I want to achieve, right? Most people will tell you they want to do big things. Well, if they want to do big things, I would say that as leaders, our job is to help them do that. And sometimes that means they need encouragement. And sometimes that means they need a kick in the butt, right? But either way, we've got to be able to provide what people need to keep them accountable to their goals. And Drew, of course, is a master of that. And you have become great at that, I'm sure, as well, through observing that. Mm -hmm. And then you also said that you guys led by example right? The hard work that you saw from Drew when you were a rep, right? Now everybody else was seeing that. They were seeing it from you as well. And that we you know what you saw Mary Kate do when you were new, yep. right? All the reps that came in saw you doing that. Mm-hmm. And that led a lot of them to say, hey, this is a place where people work hard and that's good, right? Yes. So, so many good little insights right there on, you know, what created that culture in the office. And Really, when I, as even as you speak, one of the things that sticks out to me is he gave us the confidence. And this is like my goal, too. It's like my dream to give people this, too. But it's the confidence to lead ourselves. Like we wanted to show up. And because we wanted to show up, we wanted to learn. Like there were, I remember when I became a brand new assistant manager, and there were a couple of questions that I asked the current pilot manager at that time. And I was like, how can I become the best assistant manager? I was really hungry to be great. And then when I became pilot, I asked the similar questions. And two answers that stuck out to me was one, always be learning. And I remember my light rail rides to school. I was running the office full-time as a pilot manager. I worked, even during school, I worked six, seven days out of the week and I was taking full credit hours. My College was 30 minutes away from me, and I rode the light rail there and back. I learned more. (laughs) I, well, maybe just as much. I always say I learned more on the light rail than I did in four years of schooling because I used that light rail time to read every personal growth book that was suggested and recommended to me. And because I wanted to lead, I wanted to show up. And I know I didn't, there was so much I had to improve upon. And so I took the time in school to get really good at those things. I wanted to be able to influence and impact people better during the summers where it's the, the the bigger times. And then the other thing was schedule. One of the things that I loved is I would look at Drew's schedule and because in my mind, I would be like, how does he do it all? How does it all fit? 
And then I'd look at his planner and the detail, the amount that that guy can do and the commitment that he has to show up for others, to show up for himself, inspired me to dial my schedule in as well. So those two things really early on, which was constantly reading and then getting really good at my management of my time and, and my schedule made, made all the difference. And I, I really believe helped me become a, become a great pilot manager for my AMs and the people in the office. Outstanding. Outstanding. Now, I, I know that this office that you were leading was consistently one of the top recruiting offices and, and yet was also consistently one of the top offices in productivity per person. Mm-hmm. So you were able to manage a huge team and get really good averages. And a lot of that came down to creating a Teams program uh, for PDI. PDI is the sort of daily influence that managers have on reps, phone, daily phone calls, et cetera. So you largely developed this PDI Teams program. What can you tell us about that? It was awesome. It was my, it is my favorite thing in the business. Even when I think back to being an assistant manager, every one of our AMs. So I remember just even as my first summer as a pilot and every one of our assistant managers got to lead and, and really lead a team and coach and mentor. I would go back to what I said a little bit ago, but we got to learn how to lead ourselves. And those teams gave us such a good opportunity to, to do that at a high level and take ownership of what our team produced. Drew told us, he's like, I want you guys to be branch managers within the office. Your teams should be beating the branches within other divisions. And that was honestly our goal. And we got to compete with each other. You know, my team was the Purple Cobras. Mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember my team competed every single week with the Orange Cuties. That was Luke's team. And we would talk so much smack in the group, me back and forth. And people loved it. And what I would do in preparation for the team meetings as well, it was like one of my most time-consuming things. I don't know if it was the best use of time, but I would prepare our PowerPoints before the team meetings. And man, we would have 70, 80 people in these team meetings, standing room only. I didn't know if the second floor could hold all of those people during our team meetings. They were a blast. And I would get walk-up songs for all the assistant managers as they were recognized in front of the massive team meetings from the AM whose team sold the least to who sold the most and their team would be cheering. They would be uh, just so excited to see even their manager up there. And managers were like, yes, this feels great. But if they got beat by their arch rival, that was the whole mission the next week. So there was competitiveness, all friendly competition. There was great recognition and so much camaraderie within those teams. I mean, that's a big reason why we had such good development of assistant managers year after year after year is because the reps in the office would see their managers getting recognized in this awesome way. And they would view their relationship with their assistant manager as something that was so strong. And that person really cared about them. And they did. They, they, they helped them so much every single week. PCs, constant PDI. And so many kids would be sitting there and they'd say, I want to do that. Like, I want to I want to do that for somebody. They're doing that for me. That was my thing. I was like, how, how can Mary Kate do this for me? How does she care that much? And I was like, you know what? I want to be able to offer that for others. And so we had that camaraderie. We had that competition. We had that fun about it. And then the accountability was like paramount. Drew had this thing called 939 updates for us. And it was every single day, seven days a week for 110 days. At 9 a.m., we would post an update. At 3 p.m., we would post an update. And at 9 p.m., we would uh, post an update. And each update consisted of how many demos does your team have for the day? How many PCs do you have set for the day? What's your personal sales plan for the day? 
at 3 p.m. It would be how many demos left for the day? How many PCs have you done? And what's your team CPOF for the day? And then 9 p.m. was talking about how the day end and then what's the next day looking like. And it was crazy because we would have eight to 10 assistant managers posting in the group me every single day, 9 a.m. Everybody would have their updates in there. If they didn't, obviously we figured that out with them, but they were so good at it. And then we'd have 95 demos to start off like a Monday. And we'd be like, it's not enough. We have to have 10K days every single day. We would all hop on the phone with our teams and see how many same day demos we can get booked up because 100 demos per day was the absolute mission. Mm-hmm. And so posting those updates allowed us to also keep track of, okay, if we have, gosh, man, I, I think I think at one point we had 100 people put orders on the board. And if we had that many people who could enter sales to be able to take care of all of them, started from the top down. It was everybody getting a phone call. It was everybody getting talked to, having a PC weekly. Our staff meetings would take three plus hours because Drew would stand up there and go one by one through every single one of our teams and ask about every single rep individually. How are they? When was the last time you talked to them? What do they need? What are we going to do from them this week to get them from 500 to 1,000, from zero to on the board? And it was meticulous. (laughs) Excessive, but meticulous. Wow. Amazing stuff right there. How many people did an AM have on their team uh, at, at most times? Depending on their personal prep, because we did take into consideration, like how much did they put in po- uh, pre-summer? How much did they prep? How serious are they really taking this? But the average AM would have 15 to 20. And then I know on my team, I would have 25 to 30. And uh, gosh, <laughs> that's why it took seven days of work for a week, because the amount of PCs that go along with that, the amount of PDI taking care of a lot of people, yeah. especially during peak, like June, July. I, I've talked about this topic with a lot of managers over the years, because you'll get a lot of people that will say, uh, yeah, you know, if we only have a small team, it's easy to get good productivity per rep. But when you have a big team, it's hard to get good productivity per rep. And maybe there's a little bit of truth to that, to that correlation. But I'll ask that manager, well, how many reps could you manage? And have really good productivity per rep, like you yourself. And they'll say, like, I don't know, 25. Well, so if there were four of you, how many could you manage? And they'll say, well, 100, right? I'm like, well, that's the key, right? How can you replicate yourself enough times over that you can manage a big team effectively all throughout every day with one person making sure that all of the team leaders are managing their people, that they're accountable? Yeah. That's the essence of the team system, you guys dialed it in at a level that has never been seen. Like you were the greatest ever at it. And um, it's, it's amazing to see, you know, what you're able to produce with that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. It was also a lot of fun too. The relationships that you build through that is with your squad. You just love, you end up loving the guys and the girls on your team and seeing them succeed and getting to have those accountability conversations with them at that level that they're at. Anyways, it's, it just makes me happy even thinking back on. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And it's great for any current district manager to think about, right? Can you have a quality assistant manager that can manage 15 people? Yeah. Then can you add another one? Can you add another one, right? Because if you have six quality assistant managers that can manage 15 people, well, now you can manage 90 people. Yeah. Right. And if you're managing 90 people on a daily basis with nine, three, nine, type of intensity, you are having $10,000 days. You are having 70K, 100K 
type of weeks throughout the peak weeks of the summer. And that's what leads to the kind of team that you, you were, you, that you created there. So good stuff, Alex. So you left the nest of the South Denver uh, office in 2016, became a district manager, been no lower than sixth in your category every year since then as a manager, which is remarkable consistency. What do you feel is your secret sauce as a leader? It's crazy to look at that and think about and look back on the past five years now of doing it. And I think it all stems from those years of being a pilot manager and going to school full time and having those epic summers with Drew. I just, I've never known something other than work hard for the people around you Mm. and stay consistent for them because they deserve it. One of the things that I feel so heavily is my purpose to show up for the people that are there because they are giving me their space and their time and they're counting on me to be the best that I can possibly be. And like everybody, I've for sure got ups and downs and times where I'm just feeling so indestructible and on point and times where I'm not. And I still, it's just, I, I guess it's a habit at this point, but I try to show up every single day, no matter what. And that stemmed back to the decision train that Drew taught when I was a brand new assistant manager of doing things, even when you don't want to do them. And even when you don't feel like doing them, and I need that reminder all the time, because I really do care about the people here and about this business. The job did so much for me. And I really feel like it's my responsibility to give that to others to the best that I can, no matter what time of year it is, whether it's spring or whether it's summer or whether it's fall to bring my A game. Cause it feels way better when I do that. When, when I'm not feeling good and I make the wrong decisions, no one's ever felt better doing those things. And so it's also a constant reminder for me that even though there's things that can be hard in the business and that can be hard to stay consistent with, they are always the right thing to do most of the time. And I'm always going to feel great doing it. And so the consistency has come from that mindset as well as my schedule. I'm meticulous at scheduling. I, this, I, I've got this planner here that none of you can see, but it, it's my baby. I, wouldn't, I don't go anywhere without it. And I have one for every single year that I've, that I've been in this job. And if you look back on them, if you were to like <laughs> research my, my tenure here, you would see so much consistency in it, uh, just doing the right actions, the things that produce business, regardless of how I'm feeling. Yeah, that was great. That just the the idea of showing up every single day, bringing your A game, that you feel better about yourself and about what you're doing when you're when you're doing that. And it's I think it's good for people to to remind themselves that there's going to be a lot of times where you might maybe don't want to do something. You don't want to show up. You don't want to bring your A game, but trying to think about how have I felt in the past at times where I slacked off and how have I felt at times in the past where I fought through that feeling and I followed through anyway. Mm. And I think that normally people get the reward from the follow through. And so that's a good reminder. You've been very consistent year to year campaign to campaign. When you talk about bringing your A game, showing up every single day, I'm sure that doesn't necessarily mean working 80 or 100 hours a week, 12 months a year, right? How does bringing your best to every day look 
in your office over the course of a year in this business? I think it it really goes back to prioritizing and schedule again. I know I can sound like a broken record with that, but it's really what has has driven my consistency in my life. While during those periods where it's not going to require 80, 70 hours to prioritize things that give you energy. Is it working out? Is it going outside? Is it getting in nature? Is it talking to the right people? Those are really important to keep the energy throughout the entire year. And then the other thing I think about is surrounding yourself with people that inspire you, people that motivate you to show up. And that leads to that's having a great assistant manager core around you. Uh, if we're talking about the vector business anyways, it's like I the periods where I've struggled and haven't performed consistently and haven't performed at my peak is because I didn't spend the time to get eight great people around me. And when periods of my business where things have just skyrocketed, I'm inspired and totally showing up at a at the level that I want to, no matter what time of year it is, it's, the, it's when I have people around me that are super hungry to learn, that want to lead others. And that forces me to show up in a totally different way. And I think it forces anybody to show up in a totally different way if you have those people that are hungry to learn. So yeah, that's what comes to my mind for them. Yeah, that's great. Well, you've been really great at building that inner circle of quality people. And you've also had some significant development. I know just in the years you've been a manager, you've already produced 12 branch managers. You've had one very successful district manager that is deployed from your office, as well as multiple people that have gone to the pilot to work with Drew in the pilot manager capacity as well. What are some of your strategies for developing uh, such great people in your organization? A couple things that come to my mind. It's the time that's taken, the authenticity, and being extremely, like, genuinely interested in what's going on in their life, and then helping them understand what working really means as a brand new business owner. I'll start with that. Is I feel like I'm really good at helping people understand what it means to be an entrepreneur and how hard it really is. Because I never want anybody to go out there thinking like, I can do this skate by easy breezy. I'm an entrepreneur now. Because I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make. It's this is going to take so much extra. And it should. It shouldn't be that for somebody's entire life, I don't think. But especially when they're in those first years, first five to 10 years, getting a business going to be prepared to put in way more and to not be afraid of the extra time and the extra commitment and the extra work that that's going to take. It's always going to pay off. And I, again, I, I gained that from Drew and Mary-Kate and the other AMs that I grew up with. And I just try to instill that in everybody that I'm leading. And if they want to move on and open up their own offices to take that with them is that I'm going to go outwork my competition. I'm talented. I'm smart. I know what I'm doing, but I'm also going to outwork them. And so work ethic, huge. And then the time taken, even having this conversation right now is so helped for me to get back to my, my core values with this. It's really being intentional with the time taken with people. So that way everybody feels like I, I want everybody to know that I care. I care what's going on in their life. I care that they become the person that they want to become. I care that they get to start the family that they want to start later on. And I, and I know that this is a job and this is a place where they can build those foundational skills to be able to do those things. And I want them to feel that. I want them to know that every single week. So that's something I feel like has helped. 
And, and every time I get away from that, I have to remind that that's, that's really my true calling and path at helping people. I just want to bring joy to people's lives in that way. So time, work ethic. Yeah, those are some great ideas. Whenever I hear a young manager talking about the importance of work ethic in the business, I feel like I want to address two sides of this. First off is that as any new person, being an entrepreneur at anything, you should be willing to work as hard as it takes to get your business off the ground, to get your momentum built up. There, There is no one that I know that has succeeded without that massive front end effort. So no bones about it. That's a part of being successful, busting your ass for whatever X amount of time it takes Mm. to be able to get the business off the ground. When we develop new district managers, we typically promote this as 16 months. It's your first summer, fall, spring, second summer. If you bust your butt for 16 months, you're going to have development. And when you have development, it creates the opportunity for your effort to be different than it was before. It might not be as many actual hours working. It's a different way of working, yeah. right? If, if you go back to that PDI analogy that you know one person can manage 15 or 20 or 25 people at a time. And so if you have you know six people or eight people or whatever, you can manage more people. The same thing is true about running a business, right? It doesn't take a thousand hours to run a great vector business. It certainly takes more than what one person can do effectively. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's more than a hundred, but it's not a thousand. Call it 200 just for the sake of this example. Let's say it takes 200 hours to run a great vector business. Well, that does not mean that you have to be the one that does all of that right? As you grow and you have great people, as you replicate yourself and you have great people, this person can do these things for 20 hours. This other person can do these things for 20 hours. You've got your eight great assistant managers around you. You're not necessarily having to put in as many hours, but you're, you're doing different things. Instead of doing a lot of the nitty gritty, you're really managing the people that you've developed and you're giving them more and more responsibility. They're growing, they're elevating and that's helping them to do better, right? It's that whole idea of, you know, that uh, Drew allowed you to lead. Yeah. Right. That you said earlier, right? That's what you're doing now. And that's the essence of being a great entrepreneur. And that's what I get a sense is happening for you with your team now and, and you know, with the organization that you're building. Totally. And then knowing that then you've got this personal responsibility once you have those people in those places doing those actions and activities that maybe we're taking up your time and don't have to now, it's then taking the responsibility of saying, now I have to really coach these people that are in these places the right way. I have to make sure that they show up correctly, that they're constantly learning because the mistake I've made in the past is saying, okay, someone's promoted, they're running X, great. That's off of my list. And then I fail to really truly spend time to continue developing that person's skill set, And that's where somebody sees uh, the curve start to go back down versus their trajectory continuing up. So yeah, and then that's a lot of fun as a business owner and entrepreneur to start leading through people that feel so good. And it's a, it's a reminder for me because sometimes I'm like, well, am I putting too much pressure on somebody? Do they want this? I think most people do. I remember myself as a manager and I was like, give me more, give me more. I want more. I, I want to lead more people. And 
Drew did that. He didn't hold back on that. He gave me the space to dive into that, to make mistakes, to be able to ask the questions, how can I get better? And that helped me develop into the person that I am. And I want to help others do that. Yeah. You, you made a great point, Alex, about that You know, your work doesn't stop when you have people you can delegate to. There's a lot of important stuff on the front end, just preparing people to, de- you know, so you can delegate properly. But then afterwards, I like to get people to view the business as there's layers, right? So ev- any district manager now can think about, well, I've got a team, I run team meetings, right? Well, if you want to develop a layer of really successful salespeople, right, there should be a layer above your team meeting. And I used to call that the key staff meeting. And that was where I'm developing my people who are selling the most. Well, there's another layer, which is your assistant manager staff. Mm-hmm. And there should be consistent staff meetings with that with those people so that you're talking about what they've done. You're continuing to train them. You're dealing with the challenges that come up and they're being developed as they go along. So they become better and better and better assistant managers, yeah. right? All of that stuff. This strikes me as all stuff that's been part of the system that you grew up in, the system that you're carrying forward. And it's just great, great insights for anybody in this business or any business that they can take to heart and and can utilize to be successful. Mm. Great stuff. What does the future hold for Alex Masaryk? Man, it's exciting. I know that for a fact. I've got goals within the business. I've got exciting things. I still want to grow. That's why I love Vector is there's always opportunities, it seems, to move up. And so I, I, I want to lead a division one day. I want to become a division manager and, and see where that takes me next. I've got, I've got so many more ways to develop and so many more ways to learn how to lead myself. And that's, that's kind of what I feel like my purpose has turned into or evolved into is I want to bring joy to people's lives. I want to teach them how they can bring joy into their own lives. I want to teach people how to lead themselves how to seek answers when they are presented with challenges and not to fold, but to become curious and put themselves out there and go find the knowledge that they need or find the people or the coaching that they need. And I, that's really what inspires me is as I learn how to lead myself, I really want to teach others how to lead themselves as well and become really the, the author of their, their lives, even though that may sound cliche. Yeah. Well, Alex, that's a great way that you can change people's lives uh, in the years ahead is giving them that ability to lead themselves. It really ties back to all the stuff that uh, you shared earlier that you you experienced as a early assistant manager in your in uh, in the office there in South Denver. You had that chance, and now you're providing that for other people. You're inspiring other people. That's uh, my goal. That's my yeah. goal. Yeah. You got any last things you want to? leave the audience with today? I would say the the last things is take the time to figure out what inspires you on a day-to-day. Make sure that you give time and attention to your short-term goals, your long-term goals. Have those a part of your morning routines, which is one of the most important things somebody can give themselves. And uh, continue surrounding yourself with people that push you, inspire you, but don't let you take an easy road. And to remember like the, typically the right thing to do is going to be the harder thing to do, but you'll always feel better doing it. Sounds good, man. Excellent, 
excellent value today, Maz, you've shared with this audience. Uh, I really appreciate having you here for the podcast. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Dan. All right, everyone. That was Alex Masaryk. Great stuff in here. I told Alex also, I feel like there was some definitely uh, some sections in this that were unique to this episode that weren't necessarily the same ideas that have been shared in other episodes from great vector leaders. First thing I want to underscore is that Alex said that that moment when he and Corey went into the office with their sample kits and drew ended up promoting them to assistant manager by the end of that conversation. Alex said that moment changed his life. And I just think how lucky Alex was to have had Drew, Drew Frank, as the guy on the other end of that conversation, that a lesser manager may not have anticipated what was going to happen. A lesser manager may not have dug in so hard with someone, but Looking at the people that you have under your guidance in your organization right now, think about the vision that you can see for them. What can you see them becoming? Who can you see them becoming? How can you see them growing? What can you see them achieving? And consider how much you're willing to put in to help people to manifest that vision that you have for them. What we do is we change people's lives. We don't just allow them to go on an easy path or down a trajectory that's not leading somewhere great, right? We change people's lives. That's what we do. And Drew definitely did that for Alex. I love where Alex talked about how Drew gave them the confidence to lead themselves, right? Through providing a vision and a plan and the proper training and expectations and accountability. Those were the keys to developing others in Drew's South Denver organization that Maz has now carried over into his North Denver team and what he's doing now with his people. Maz talked about bringing his best every single day. People are seeing that, and I'm sure that's inspiring them. He talked about some of the ways in which he's working with his team to build that inner circle that inspires you, having those people around you that inspire you. And then as you think about the activities to engage in, prioritizing the activities that give you energy in your schedule. And Maz shared that his schedule is a big key to his success and it enables him to execute consistently all year round, every campaign, every year, he has been successful and been at or near the top of the charts in his competitive category in Vector. That is a great, great example for anyone else to follow and definitely someone that I feel like all of us, anyone listening here can learn from and can be able to emulate. I also want to encourage you to check out the episode with Drew Frank that was called The Art of Accountability. It's episode number 172 and Drew gets into how he creates that accountability in his organization that uh, Maz learned so many great things from. Hope you've enjoyed this one. Thanks, uh, Maz, for putting some great value together here for this episode today. I appreciate it. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. 
For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.